Hi, this is Sergeant Betsy Brantner-Smith with the National Police Association, and this is the NPA Report. I want to share with you today information about an organization that I recently learned about when I was at the CPAC Texas conference in Dallas, Texas. And it is a such a huge issue facing not just America today, but, but frankly, every country in this world, and it doesn't get enough attention. And my guest today is a guy trying to do something about that in a very practical way. Eric Colton from Untrafficked, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So talk to me, what is Untrafficked? Well, three years ago, when we really learned uh, just about the brevity of, of the issue here, both in the United States and overseas, uh, we conducted a tremendous amount of research. And at the time, I was operating a company where we did critical problem solving in, uh, in the intelligence space, in the cybersecurity space. And so we had a cadre of military leaders and intelligence leaders with us. And we decided to take a really hard look into child sex trafficking in the United States. And what we found was absolutely an atrocity. And so we got together and continued to conduct a tremendous amount of research. And what we did is we landed on, on one truth. There is not enough collaboration with anti-trafficking agencies in the United States. They don't work with each other. They're operating in silos, and that's A. B, they often don't work with law enforcement, and the rules of engagement are in the United States are that the nonprofits have to work with law enforcement, especially when engaging uh, a, a, a sex trafficking victim or their perpetrator. And so it's, you know, we're a nation of laws, and we have to involve law enforcement, and there's got to be a respectful process in which that's dealt with you know you're a retired law enforcement officer so you know better than anybody and and, and see there was just there was um a lot of heart and, and a, a lot of good intentions and a lot of money being invested into this space but there just wasn't a not enough collaboration and then b there just wasn't enough good processes in place in order to be able to make a difference organized crime works because it's organized. We need to be more organized than organized crime. And so what I did was I put together a team of folks that ran intelligence agencies and that ran special operation command of, of the United States in, in different sectors. And that also came from corporate leadership and also some uh, nonprofit experience and put them together and what we did is we built four pillars. And those pillars are awareness, prevention, intervention, and restoration. And so rather than create, recreate the wheel, we really wanted to focus on how do we take and support existing organizations in order to be able to make them better. And so I'll start at the end first and work my way backwards. And so we have about 118 care facilities from coast to coast, including Hawaii, that we're in contact with. And so if there's somebody that is, is rescued from an operation, we'll, we'll have vetted these organizations and have the ability to be able to take them to an organization that's vetted. And then over the last three, three years, what we did is we, we did a, a lot of, um, 
of research and we asked a lot of questions. We found out how they operated and we realized that there was a great variance. So there's an issue because the continuum of care across the United States of America is not consistent. And so we discussed that internally. We saw consultants externally. We, we asked a number of questions to a lot of these different care facilities and tried to figure out what was wrong, where they needed help, and then how can they provide from coast to coast a continuum of care that addresses the physical needs, the mental needs, the emotional needs, and the spiritual needs of these kids so they can have a true restoration and heal. This is such an important thing because what gets stolen from them when they're trafficked for sex, when they, when they are raped, you wanna know the truth? They're raped over and over and over again. And, and, and it's a hard thing to talk about and it's a hard thing you know, to focus on, but we just decided to take on this problem from several different perspectives. And, and that was one of the perspectives is how do you make the restoration process better from coast to coast? And so we are really a, a servant uh, a servant leader in that space in order to be able to increase the quality of the continuum of care. And we're still working on that. That's a, that's a, a work in process. The second is intervention. And so we have created, I'll, I'll read this to you, but um, we deploy advanced technology and we utilize deep Intel capabilities uh, and establish our very well uh, established affiliate network in order to be able to be very effective in both tracking kids uh, and tracking uh, perpetrators. And so far, I'll, I'll read you these statistics. In 2022, so far, we have 548 arrests and we have 190 children that have been recovered so far this year. And we, we got a call one day. This is a standout case for us um, right around Houston, Texas. And 352 miles away, we rescued this girl in five hours and 31 minutes. Wow. From, from the time of abduction to the time of rescue. And they arrived two minutes before law enforcement showed up. And we provided law enforcement an intelligence report um, at the at the county of abduction to the county sheriff and then the county where we knew that this perpetrator was going because it was their residence and based upon the way that they were driving and their, their driving history and the way that we were able to obtain this information legally of course right, right. Um, we were able to assist law enforcement in making this arrest and rescuing the, this girl and it was before she was trafficked and so yeah. You know, we, we sent that girl over to one of our care center affiliates and then her and her mother um, engaged in family counseling through that program. And there's great progress that's there. But again, you know, what would happen if we weren't there? I, I don't know. Would it, could it have been another organization? Possibly. Uh, but I don't want to take that chance. You as a, a you know, retired police officer, you don't think, well, I wonder you know, if another police officer would have been here or not. You have to act. You know, and, and 
whether we're law enforcement or not, because I'm not law enforcement, we have an opportunity as a citizen as a, of the United States and a human being to be able to help out other people when there's a need. And so we just simply responded. And so that's intervention and the intervention division is going really well. And we're getting ready to automate that case building process in order to be able to support law enforcement even better. And so we work with the FBI, we work with HSI, and we work with state, local and federal law enforcement all over the United States. And, uh, and so that's the intervention side. Uh, the third pillar is the prevention side. So in, you know, in continuing our operations, we have discovered that there's really nothing in existence that deals with prevention. You know, there's nothing that teaches situational awareness to families. There's nothing, there's no way that, in, or, or program that's really focused on how do you facilitate a healthy conversation between a parent and a child and, and having the ability to be able to educate these parents, A, in, in a way that's pleasing to them, B, you're not telling them what to do, uh, because if we do, we'll, we'll get a lot of backlash there. I don't, I don't know if you want to be told how to raise your kids. I would probably find, find an offense to it, especially in today's day and age. And so we really try to figure out how to make this palatable how to make it effective and, and, you know, in our desire to equip families on how to be able to protect their children from these predators that are out there. And well, so and we, let me, let me ask you something here. Cause I think, I think most parents who are watching this or take a look at your website say, well, that's not me. That's not my family. That's not my kids. This doesn't happen in my neighborhood, my town, my state. Um, talk about that a little bit, because I, I think there's a mis, uh, a misunderstanding that um, kids who get trafficked, you know, come from just very poor families where the parents aren't paying attention, single family homes. And that's not true. Can you talk about that? Sure. Yeah. I, last night we had two girls. One of them uh, was abducted from uh, Columbia, Maryland. Uh, which is the, the highest income earning uh, neighborhood in, in, in town in Maryland and, uh, and then Silver Spring, Maryland as well. And Silver Spring, Maryland is right out of Washington, D.C. You know, it's a it's a beautiful neighborhood. And so th this happens all over the place. You know, those that are in desire of having sex with teens and children, they don't they don't care how much money your parents make. You know, they have a desire and sometimes a very specific desire. Sometimes they want a 13 year old girl with blonde hair and blue eyes. And sometimes they want an eight year old boy with brown hair and brown eyes. They sometimes have these specific desires. You know, porn addiction is a huge reason why this happens. And that doesn't happen. That's, you know, it's, it's not correlated to what's going on at the border. That's a totally different conversation. It's a disaster, but it's a conversation nonetheless. But it happens everywhere. And there are people who have sexual addictions everywhere. And there are people who have perverted sexual addictions all over the place. And so, again, we, you know, if, if we're trying to stop every single predator that's out there, it's literally playing whack-a-mole. And 
the police, they don't have the resources and, and the bandwidth. Uh, we certainly don't. The U.S. government hasn't figured that one either because the problem just perpetuates. It's getting worse and worse and worse. And so how do we reduce the demand? How do we reduce the supply? And so while we are trying to figure out ways to reduce the demand and, and try to build you know, systems and, and, and procedures or, or classes or some type of therapy to get people to want to stop having sex with children, we decided to go ahead and stop the supply. And what we did is we created the Guardian program. And so we have the Untrafficked Guardians. And here's a, a graphic of what the Guardian Handbook looks like. You're going to be the first people to see it ever. This is brand new. It's coming out in the next couple of weeks. And you can order it online. We're going to send it to you free of charge. There's an online ebook that you can read that's there. And then in a couple of months, it's actually going to be narrated to you with a bunch of actors. This book was written from the perspective of the child, moms and dads, guardians, aunts and uncles, grandmas and grandpas. This is my world. And this is what's happening. And when I'm on my cell phone and I'm on social media, I get messages from strangers that are sometimes 40 and 50 years old that are using photographs of somebody who's the age of my peer. And they're acting interested in me. And I'm so young and I don't know what's going on. Moms and dads, can you please help me? And, and, and not only does it build a, a, an, a, you know, an equipping mechanism for the parents on how to be able to stop grooming, it also rebuilds the uh, nuclear family. It builds intimacy within parents and children so that they're gonna they can have good, meaningful conversations that are there. Uh, it's done in a way to where it's very appropriate. It's done through cartoons, not people. And so we, we wanted to really limit the, the hardness of it because the problem is so grotesque that most just don't want to even consider that it exists, like you said earlier. You know, they just would rather be in denial than have to face the fact that they somehow have to deal with a conversation with their kid about protecting them from these 500,000 predators online at any time, increasing at a at an alarming rate, growing well, every Eric, single day. This has also unfortunately and bizarrely become political, where we have some people in whether it's academia or psychology or even the medical profession where they want to talk about minor addicted persons as opposed to sexual predators and predators who um, are only interested in children. And, and again, I really believe that most people have a, a very limited understanding of this type of problem. So it sounds like the Guardian program is able to break through that politicization. Am I correct? Yeah, we don't want to make it political at all. We don't want to make it about politics. We don't want to make it about race. We don't want to make it about gender. We have guardians that are African-American and Cuban, that are, that are Hispanic and Polynesian, that are Caucasian from across the board, different ages. And, and different different ethnicities. And so 
you know, anybody that, that any type of a family that looks at this, they can, A, become comfortable with it. They can identify with it. And then they can follow it. And going through page by page, it's, it's grooming via social media. It's grooming while children are, are playing online video games. You know, we got a, a call the other day and there was a parent where the, the, their 12-year-old child asked if they can go play Pokemon Go with a person where they're playing an online game with. And we looked very quickly and found out that that person was not 12 years old. That person was a 42-year-old male. And I don't know why. We, we, we don't try to infer why that person wanted to meet a 12-year-old male at a park, but we can only assume that it was not for a good reason. And so we just simply let them know the facts, you know, that your son is playing with somebody who's not, who's, who's identifying as a 12 year old, but they're not 12 and they probably want to uh, report them to the police. And so that's what happened. And, you know, and, and these things happen all the time, every single day in every single neighborhood, everywhere across the United States. Right. And so, and so grooming via a video game, grooming at school, there are guys and gals that pull other kids into bathrooms and want to have their way with them because they're either addicted to porn or it's a dare or they're bullies, whatever the case is, there's trafficking going on schools, private schools, public schools, you name it. It's all over the place. You know, there's grooming going on in shopping malls where, where adults are targeting children. And they, they, you know, hey, I think your mom's car is, is outside. I'm one of your neighbors. I think I just saw her, you know, go outside and get her. And next thing you know, the kid is snatched in a van in traffic somewhere, either across the United States or shipped overseas. And these are things that we want to bring to the attention of parents to be able to have these good, meaningful and caring and sympathetic, empathetic conversations with the kids so that we can get the points across and there can be movement from foolishness to wisdom. And you know and what, you, Eric, you guys are tackling such a difficult issue. And you know that's one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you. We just have a few sure. seconds left. Tell people where they can find out more about Untrafficked and what you're trying to do. Sure, yeah, they can find out about Untrafficked at untrafficked.org. And, um, Go on there, click there. You know, if you want to become a guardian, all you have to do is put in your first name, your last name, and your your email address, and it will give you access uh, to the portal. And in the portal, you're going to be able to find the resources needed to be able to equip you and equip your families. Yep, there's videos that are on there. You're going to enjoy those. Some of them are awareness. Some of them are, are testimonies of those that have been survivors of trafficking. Others are are figureheads within our community that are going to challenge you to take a stand and untraffic America with us. And so we need all the help that we can get. We want to equip communities so we can all work together because if we're organized, we can beat organized crime. If we're organized, we can go ahead and put a huge dent in untraffic America, one home at a time, one neighborhood at a time, and one community at a time. This has been such a fantastic conversation. And Eric, we appreciate you spending time with us. And if you would like more information about the National Police Association, visit us at nationalpolice.org. Stamp! Put
the gun down! Put the gun down! Last year, law enforcement officers were involved in hundreds of thousands of use of force incidents. A use of force incident is when an officer must use nonverbal tactics to gain control of a dangerous situation. Put the knife on the ground. In many cases, officers have no choice but to use force when a suspect doesn't comply with a lawful order. Use of force is always ugly. No one likes it, especially police officers. Together, we can help de-escalate these dangerous encounters. Help police officers by complying with their lawful orders. Don't attack, attempt to disarm, or flee from an officer. Use of force is an officer's last option. Most incidents can be avoided by not resisting arrest. If you feel you've been wrongfully detained by a police officer, then seek a legal solution after the encounter has been resolved. Let's keep everyone safe. Comply now and complain later. Put the gun down! Put the gun down! Last year, law enforcement officers were involved in hundreds of thousands of use of force incidents. A use of force incident is when an officer must use nonverbal tactics to gain control of a dangerous situation. Put the knife on the ground. In many cases, officers have no choice but to use force when a suspect doesn't comply with a lawful order. Use of force is always ugly. No one likes it, especially police officers. Together, we can help de-escalate these dangerous encounters. Help police officers by complying with their lawful orders. Don't attack, attempt to disarm, or flee from an officer. Use of force is an officer's last option. Most incidents can be avoided by not resisting arrest. If you feel you've been wrongfully detained by a police officer, then seek a legal solution after the encounter has been resolved. Let's keep everyone safe. Comply now and complain later. Put the gun down! Put the gun down! Last year, law enforcement officers were involved in hundreds of thousands of use of force incidents. A use of force incident is when an officer must use nonverbal tactics to gain control of a dangerous situation. Put the knife on the ground. In many cases, officers have no choice but to use force when a suspect doesn't comply with a lawful order. Use of force is always ugly. No one likes it, especially police officers. Together, we can help de-escalate these dangerous encounters. Help police officers by complying with their lawful orders. Don't attack, attempt to disarm, or flee from an officer. Use of force is an officer's last option. Most incidents can be avoided by not resisting arrest. If you feel you've been wrongfully detained by a police officer, then seek a legal solution after the encounter has been resolved. Let's keep everyone safe. Comply now and complain later.